0: three we're live on the actual podcast now the real podcast the brand new episode of the brand new podcast we're live good to graham we're very good to graham Hello, everybody. We're back. And in case you're wondering why I don't sound like Phil, it's because I'm not Phil. I'm Graham. But Phil is here. Hi, Graham. Along with Dara. Yeah. And John. How's it going? Um, Kevin Kneely is off somewhere making business for himself. He's studying for his mocks, I think. That's that's the one I heard as well. And um, we are coming with you with the we'll call it a second series of the hurlers on the ditch podcast.
1: Just don't call it a comeback. (laughs) No, don't call it a comeback. Definitely isn't.
0: Um, we're going to take it a little bit differently this time around. You remember last time, back November time, when we actually used to release podcasts, we'd hitches with what we're going to talk about at the start of the day, and then go through the episode, and then that's what we talk about. But nowadays, I'm surprising the lads with the topics every week. They haven't a clue what we're going to be talking about. Uh, they're going to find out, as you find out. And we're going to get their immediate opinions. But first, Phil is going to tell you about our new partner.
2: Yeah, very proud to be brought to you now by Charges. I'll just tell you a little bit about Chargers before we get going. How many times have you been in a situation like this? If you're on a night out or at a gig or a festival and your phone's battery just isn't lasting the pace, no matter what you try, your data's off, the brightness and screen is way down, nothing works and your phone dies, there's absolutely nothing worse. Chargers want to change all that. These portable, disposable chargers will give your phone as much as a 70% charge. And when you're finished with it, you just bring it back to where you bought it, they take care of it. Simple as that. So if you want to find any more about charges, just go to chargeys.ie and don't forget to tell them
0: that the hurdles in the ditch sent you. Thank you very much, Phil. Right then, lads, let's get this started. Dara, you brought it up right before we started recording that no. this that this year's Masters was the lowest rated in how long? Since 04, Graham. Since 04. And I can see why, I think, because as far as I'm concerned, this Masters had very little spark. It went out with a whimper. What did the rest of you think about?
2: I think until like the the Sunday had decent drama insofar as Garcia and Rose kinda jilled out playing reasonably high level of golf and going to a playoff always helps. But I think with Hoffman leading for most of it, which is just uninspiring and everyone knew that he wasn't gonna last the pace. Everyone hoped he wasn't gonna last the pace as well, I think. Um so I think everyone was just waiting for the charge to come from someone like Speed or Fowler. I think if it had been Speed versus Fowler it would have been an awful lot more interesting. That's
0: what I think happened as well. Because they went off the boil so already there was like Usually the last couple of matches, even the memorable shot this year from the Sunday came from Russell Henley, which was, he finished pretty much nowhere. Like they just, I think he finished one under or something like that. But like the final group just played solid golf. They didn't have to take a risk. Like They played to their abilities. And even the playoff hole itself, it wasn't really a tense playoff because Justin Rawls put himself out of contention with his tee shot. And um, I think you're right. If I had been, I think people were looking at the leaderboard So. Early Sunday saying, okay, if Speed can do this, if Fowler can do this, and then just hope that it'd be like a four-way. Maybe even if uh, Westhausen or Oosthousen, whatever, however you pronounce it, had to come in at some stage instead of just building up and building up and then just plateauing. Maybe it could have been interesting, but it just, there was, it went out with a fizzle rather than a bang, I think.
2: I think the story is better than um, as it was unfolding. Like the story of Garcia finally overcoming what looked like it was going to be like he looked like he was never going to win a major. He said himself after 2012 Masters that he hated the course. He wasn't able to play it, and he thought the chance of him winning any major was gone. And so it's nice to see that five years later he actually goes and wins on that course that like nearly broke him
0: on Seve's 60th birthday as well. They made a... the story's nice, but
2: I think the actual golf itself, other than Sergio's eagle on what was it 15 to 16.
0: Yeah. What about yourself, John?
1: I was happy enough with the standard of golf, lads. To be honest. Uh like Sergio is a very big story like if Speeth you were saying if Spieth has kind of made a rush a push it would have been interesting but I think Sergio is a much better story than Spieth like everyone kind of expected Speeth to do well like he's done in the last couple of years and I thought the golf between Sergio and Justin Rose is pretty good as well it kind of ebbed and flowed sometimes you don't see really golf doing that sometimes you see one fella playing steady not having to play too well but you saw kind of Sergio go ahead then he falls back then he pulls out Great, I think was it a parry he got there when he had to drop the ball? Yeah. yeah. Great scrambling parry. That's, that's pretty good stuff. Like fair enough, it's only a parry. He's not making birdies or eagles every hole. But I think to get that par, really, it's as good as a birdie or as good as an eagle, really.
0: Yeah, that's so. true. It's I think the crack with speed is, though, just, if it had been like, do you know the way usually you go out and someone either sets a score early on a Sunday and they have to chase it, or else people start dropping and people, someone go out in the late group, and absolutely blitzes it and then everyone else realises oh we have to catch him now but the two leaders just watched each other and sort of played to each other I think I don't think anyone actually went out to try and win I think they both went out to try and not lose it It
1: gave it a match play feel though and around Ryder Cup time people kind of say oh match play is uh, much more exciting yeah and then when you get a match, basically a match play situation in a stroke play tournament we're kind of saying oh I wish there'd been a, someone in a different group where they had to play more traditional kind of stroke play stuff I was happy yeah. enough that it was kind of a a one-on-one duel in the final group and it was just down to those two uh, just something different I suppose and something that it was very easy to follow I think you can kind of you're entranced in, in this one match you can get very involved sometimes you are kind of jumping between ga- matches different groups you kind of lose a bit of interest and someone might as you said someone might have come out of nowhere and you're kind of almost surprised it kind of it takes a bit away whereas here you can follow literally every eight, every hole of the 18 holes you were seeing everyone their shots because yeah. everyone knew this is, this is the match this is what it's kind of come down to kind of
0: yeah, and I suppose like you could, you would have been. End of the day, you're happy with either one of those winning. It, I think. I think. I more so Sergio.
2: <coughs> I think my problem with it was that they're both too nice to each other. Yeah. I would have loved seeing a little. It's the tiniest bit. I'm not looking for a massive needle, but just the tiniest bit of like a few stairs. Like there was high fives and it was like
0: it was too collegiate. It was like it was like they were playing together instead of against. No, each other. No, I
1: liked it. If the middle ground is boring, no emotion at all. The, 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 the one side of that is the. The death stares, but they were on the other side. They were kind of the happy yeah, emotions. That's as fair, them. yeah. You're they're playing with a smile on your face. You kind of you're appreciating the other guys' good shots. I think the worst would have been the middle ground, where just each person gets on with their own game and there's no emotion at all.
2: That's fair, yeah. That's true. Um, I'm happy for that. Sir, I'm happy for Sergio though. Um, always liked him.
0: Can you tell me who? I don't think it, it was Sergio, but do you know who has now play, won the most money from the tour without winning a major? Lee Westwood. Nope,
1: without winning one ever, or since that winning a
0: major, Monty. Oh, you'll never get it, Steve Stricker.
1: I never would have got
2: oh, that. That
0: was my next guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just going by the lads because Sky did a graphic of most majors without a win, and then there was some fellow who couldn't remember, and then Monty and the US would. Was it?
0: Um, I'm trying to think. I like the part of Harrington on co- oh, what would you call it? Analysis, I suppose, not commentary. Um, made a nice bit of refreshing because he didn't hold back any strings around like he let people know he didn't like Sergio well not that he said he didn't come out and say I don't like Sergio but like it was implied and like he wasn't as nice I think Monty's too vanilla and Paul McGinley tries to be everybody's best friend but Harrington was just himself and I suppose like the way you can look at it now is if his career is going down the Swanee like it looks like it is he's gonna be very entertaining on Sky and, uh, now yeah
1: so it's. I think if we're talking about the analysis lads, we have to
0: mention a big favourite of mine and Phil's,
1: oh. There's as well. The one and only Ken on the course on BBC. I love it so and much. They have him again this year. Oh, of course. He had his homemade uh, ball rolling device. <laughs> <laughs> something something he botched together in the shed over the winter. It was basically a piece of drain pipe that he rolled a couple of bog golf balls. Then <laughs> I've no idea how they let this man onto the
2: course. It's unbelievable. I oh, I love him like, like, I just,
1: I love to imagine the American people there who are there from early in the morning dying to see the golf and they see this old English man get on the green and just throw a few balls out of his pocket try to land a few putts and then look into the camera and give the weirdest wink you will see on television.
0: But it is, I still think like at the best times I don't really like watching golf but Masters Sunday is just it is something completely different to the rest of the year in golf like it's You will sit down from the first tee, from the first ball being struck on the first tee on that Sunday, and have a completely vested interest for the whole thing. Because they just edit it so well. You know, if they're showing someone who's four over and the lead is 600, you know you're seeing a cracking shot. And especially Master Sunday, they just they're put the pins in really accessible places. Gonna, I think it's the last three Sundays in a row there's been a hole in one there on Master Sunday. There's been
2: 11 in the last 14 years on that, whatever it is, that part three. Yeah, yeah so, I think
0: it's 16. There's
2: been 11 uh, last day, hole in ones, on the last 14 years on there that hole. That's unbelievable.
0: And like, it's just, because it's, it's similar to that hole at the waste management that it's just a big arena hall sort of thing like so it's just it's so much more interesting but you look at like the places that they're sending the British Open and the US Open to now and it's just them really sort of inaccessible courses like where we were for the Irish Open a few years ago at Royal County Down I want to say and it's just the fairways are inaccessible to the fans like but in Augusta they they set it up like a stadium almost And it's just, it just makes for such a better view. And the place looks unbelievable all the time. Be careful
2: not to call them fans. No patrons. Absolutely
0: patrons. Patrons. Patrons, They get shot when they go in. Right. I think we've talked about this now to the death and we're running out of stuff. But speaking of things running to the death and people are constantly talking about it now, if it's dead or not. Arsene Wenger. And his Arsenal career.
2: Oh segue for the sponsor, Sundar McLean. Huge. That
0: was nice. We should have We should have capitalised on that. But after their three 0 loss to Palace last night, their fourth time in their last four away matches conceding three goals. Well, I think we can all accept that Arsene Wenger's arsenal career is over. But what people are saying now is he's ruined his legacy by this absolute failure. Of a final season Would you agree that he's Completely tarnished his legacy Or has he done too much In the early years to, neg- to Negate this final season
1: I don't think he's tarnished the legacy By this year alone I think he's had a Pretty gradual Kind of fall from the heights That he was once at mm. like this season is kind of the The icing The bad icing On top of the rotten cake
3: <laughs> <laughs> The eggs have gone bad Is that what you're saying John?
1: But uh, I don't think it's really gonna damage whatever legacy he had left. He'll always be remembered as a manager that had the un, unbeatables. What are they called? Invincibles, The Invincibles. Invincibles. <laughs> He'll always be remembered for this team who I've forgotten the name of. <laughs> the, in, the Invincibles, the doubles, that kind of Henri Vieira team. I think his recent teams, just everyone knows, they haven't been up to scratch. That kind of level at all. And I don't think that finishing poorly this year and not qualifying for Europe. I don't think people are going to say suddenly, oh my God, Wenger's actually not a good manager. People know what he is and losing the Palace hasn't changed that too much.
2: I think um, you kind of touched on something interesting, Graham, and you said that we can all accept that Wenger's Arson career is over, but I don't know if he's accepting it. Yeah, I think that's, that's the problem. True. Like you look at, I was thinking about this uh, since the game last night, and you look at Ferguson when he left Manchester United, he had got every last drop out of that team. He won a title with them, brought Van Persie in just to win that title and headed off into the sunset whereas Wenger doesn't seem to have that pragmatism about him mm. like Ferguson was a cool a cold calculating bastard whereas Wenger he seems to be more kind of nurturing and it's nearly it's too personal to him nearly yeah. like yeah. it's more it it's kind of, it, it's weird it's more about him but also less about him if that makes sense like Ferguson cared about getting out when the game was good but Arsenal and Wenger are too
0: intertwined in his own mind I think you think he doesn't want to leave the club in the current state and you think he wants to try and save it I, th- Rather than I think
2: he just wants to keep going abandon ship like, I, I think he just wants to keep going I don't know if he even knows when he wants to finish up I don't know if he can take stock maybe he has taken stock and, deci- and, and t- is going to think that it's time to go but like he's had so many opportunities when they won the two FA Cups he could have gone after either of those yeah. and gone out on a relative high and left it in a decent shape. Like He always says the club is in decent shape, but the results are disproving that.
0: The thing I suppose that Arsenal should probably be wary about is you look at how certain teams, most recently, United I suppose, have gone when their manager has left. Like Everyone thinks, okay, this will be a smooth transition. Like Things could go from bad to a lot, lot worse. Yeah. Because you look at Spurs, Southampton, Everton, they're all very good teams and who you used to look at as under the top 4 Spurs are going to finish 2nd this year Um, Everton are probably going to finish ahead of Arsenal if they win out Um, but you look like Arsenal if Wenger goes if they don't bring in a big manager if they don't have European football they probably lose Sanchez probably lose Ozil and maybe when it's that big a rebuilding project maybe Boyd will say ooh we'll wait and hang on here like when United weren't in Europe they were still sort of united like they could promise massive money and you sort of knew that like it'll probably be okay we'll see what happens but with Arsenal I think people are going oh maybe this is the start of a sinking ship
2: yeah and I think the same is true for the manager like there's talk of Thomas Tuchel from Dortmund and there's talk of um, Simeone from Atletico Madrid as kind of being the two leading candidates to replace Wenger and Absolutely, They'd be, I think either of those would be brilliant appointments for different reasons, but why would Tuchel leave uh, probably the most exciting young squad in Europe to come to a, another rebuilding job, and why would Simeone leave Champions League perennial Champions League semi-finalists at this stage for Europa League? I know Arsenal is a big draw in name, but I think, as per usual, media kind of get lost in how they get an, an over-inflated sense of English importance. Like Yeah. The, like Dortmund and Atletico are more successful in the Champions League in the last five years than Arsenal. So there's no reason for their managers to jump ship for an Arsenal not in the Champions League.
0: Have Dortmund won it?
2: No, they got to a final and a couple of semi one semi anyway. Well
0: then there you go. Atletico are more successful in the Champions League. Full stop. They've won it. They got beaten two finals. Oh, <laughs> they, did. they did. They did. They won the Europa a few years ago, the first one. Um but still, two finals. Like Arsenal and Angers highlight in Europe was 2006 thousand and they've been striving and just like on that European stage now they've just been absolutely bullied for the last four years just been getting whooped by Bayern every year. <laughs> and now they're gonna play at Bayern Munich in the pre-season again this year so just more, pre-season yeah oh, they, oh, know, they okay.
2: announced it like just after they got like hockey like the
0: week after they got Absolutely bad. Hey, guess who we're playing in the pre-season? Bayern Munich. Tickets go
2: on sale now. I'd say the buy-in was huge for that. But like, I don't, I don't know anyone who thinks Wenger should say no, No. other than Spurs fans. Yeah, and Arsene Wenger himself, possibly. But it's like it's been talked
0: so much, and it's just it's unbelievable that he hasn't actually gone yet. That's what I was thinking: like, would that result? be the catalyst that just says oh look just cut your losses now get rid of them finish the season with some sort of credibility let them go and then just try and get someone now like take care
2: oh of them. I don't think they'd sack him but a couple of games ago like John was talking about his legacy earlier which is absolutely guaranteed at the club like he made Arsenal, modern Arsenal into what they are he's the reason they're playing in the Emirates I don't think they could like he designed I, I, did, I was over in London a month or two ago and I did a tour of the Emirates and Wenger Designed the Emirates basically, like obviously, did like not technically, <laughs> but like the, yeah. Yeah, he designed it to best help his team. So, like, it the something to do with the roof, yeah. isn't it?
0: It doesn't cover the grass at any point,
2: exactly. And it, and it also traps in sound. Uh, well, the idea is it traps in sound if there is some, Echo, yeah, booze. Um, so like, he, he literally helped design that stadium. So, I don't think they're going to sack him at the end of a season. I think it'll be when it comes at whatever stage, if it's this year or next year or two years, it'll be. Arsenal and Arsene Wenger have mutually decided the part ways Arsenal is going to move ups, upstairs to director of football and when is uh, his contract at the end of the season? I don't I,
0: think he'll stay at Arsenal I think he still wants to manage and what I'd love to happen is see him go to PSG and win the Champions League in his first season that'd I, be really interesting. I think it'd be hilarious but, um,
3: but he wouldn't be suited to PSG would he? Like the, he's, not he's not into a, the big money, he's not into money. Big
0: money transfers like. I'm sure if you say to him here look there's 200 million go in the Champions League you have two years
3: I'd say at this stage of his career money is not an, ob- an object for him in terms of a motivator I'd he's s- been with a club for 21 years and I'm sure it his salary be, doesn't even come into I'd it, it no, a that's an vengeance
0: church. mission though you know what I mean <laughs> And, that and sorry, he'd yeah, want to go out spell. and say right now I'll show you what I can do I will win a championship League hasn't,
3: hasn't the criticism of him being he's afraid to spend money and he wants to develop players that would yeah. be the absolute opposite of what he think, think he be a- That was
1: Mourinho's motivation for this year at United <laughs> <was it? laughs> give him loads of money and show <laughs> Chelsea
0: um, Do you think the Arsenal fans are being too fickle? I think I think you are a <laughs> The club is fucked, fam Blood I think um,
2: it's the perception of Arsenal fans is definitely not helped by Arsenal fan TV, which just makes them all seem like absolute lunatics. Yeah. Yeah. it's like it makes them seem like a brain mob. But like, I imagine just I imagine that being the team you support. And it's fra- it's self-revealing. Like, the best ever manager that well, I mean, like modern manager. I don't know about you know Herbert Chapman or whatever, but the best modern manager who made the club what it is and has all these glory years is just staying on for an equally long period of time of shitness yeah. yeah it must absolutely wreck your head to like on one hand he's giving you like all your best memories as a football fan on the other hand he is like destroying his own legacy or trying to so I I don't I don't know if you can say they're fickle but the reaction like the pathetic like wanger out banger, banners it's really funny that they're Wexford races did you see that one no, there was well. a fella standing at the corner of the track of Wexford races with a Wexford out, a we- a Wenger banner. who was
0: the one there a few weeks ago something New Zealand and somebody in the cr- like a, a crowd of like 1023 or something there was a Wenger banner, and there was one at Wrestlemania as well
1: there was one in South Africa to protest against uh, Zuma as well <laughs> it's like, it's, Zuma out is most of them and there one just saying Wenger out <laughs>
0: that's kind of funny I mean but yeah it's, it's at this stage like the jokes sort of write themselves in that situation like and like the betting shops like Paddy Power and all are having a whale of a time and Pierce Morgan on Twitter is having the worst time of his life and it's great brilliant and that brings misery on that man is alright in my book but do you think this if, if, if this is your final opinion do you think, I think he think has he, 8 I, matches left as Arsenal manager I
1: know, yes. yes I think he goes yeah I think he's gone end of the season no new contract I think it's a bit
0: mad. It's going to be a bit mad, isn't
2: it? It's going to be crazy. He's the last like thing tying like the old Premier League that we grew up in. Oh, with. yeah, this will be it. Who'll be, like, who'll be longest serving manager? Sean Deich, I think. Oh, really? God. Something, yeah. Sean Deich or uh, Eddie Howe, someone like that. Uh, given that I just did that quiz today, so I'm kind of, they're sort of in my head. Yeah.
0: So I think it's someone like that. Couldn't be anyone else. Though. Eddie Howe probably combined, maybe Sean Dyche in in a single, single block. Sh- yeah that'd be crazy new Arsenal manager really, really weird vague. still like I'm still kind of not used to seeing Mourinho and the United awesome. oh it feels really strange 100 but like Arsene, Arsenal I always just think when I was young for that the club was named after him or he was named after the club or something like that <laughs> 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 but um, right we'll move on I'd say we'll make this either our final or second last topic depending on how long we go for it but um, l- league finals Where's Sunday? Well, and Saturday. Saturday. And Sunday. Yeah. But um, it finally happened. Dublin were beaten. Kerry bet them for the first time since 2009 in a competitive match. 2015 league, Graham? Competitive match in the final. Or the semi final, championship and final. We'll have, to
3: have to Google that one,
0: Graham. Um, and I suppose, from a Dublin point of view, from my point of view, I think Dublin finally had what was coming to them because they've been getting away with it for a bit too long at this stage. But what was your perception of the final and what the result of the final actually means for the rest of the year?
1: Graeme is calling it the final, by the way. <laughs> in a room with three killed airmen, he's calling the Dublin match D final. Because <laughs> it was. The,
2: the Division 1 final was a cracking game, first of all. I think that needs to be said. The league in general has been brilliant because it's the best team's playing each other week in and week out and teams in lower down divisions playing teams of their level yeah. week in and week out so it's been brilliant again um, like you said it's it's been coming for the dubs they haven't been good in pretty much any of their league games nope they've struggled the
0: most of them was, it was the one where they showed what they can probably really do they pulled
2: it out of the fire and uh, drawn the games against uh, Donegal Tyrone and Kerry
0: and they pulled it out of the bag against Monaghan as well
2: yes probably Monaghan Um So, it was coming for them. Um, I think it was important for Kerry to beat Dublin. I don't think it mattered how they bet them. I don't think it mattered that Dublin nearly pulled it back. Just to actually say, we've done that. We can beat this group of Kerry players, can beat that group of Dublin players. And so, if it comes to a semi-final or final in uh, August, that we can do it again. Um, And for the dubs, then, I think it'll please Gavin, I'd say, because it gives him a load of things to work on. And he can give lads rockets up the airs with legitimacy now. Like, it gets a bit weary, I can imagine, going in, doing a tape session, having been unbeaten for, like, 35, 36 games mm-hmm. and saying, this is what you did wrong. And then in the back of your head, knowing that you won or drew the game anyway. So actually losing, they can say, this is what we did wrong.
0: Yeah, and he said it, like he said it himself to TJ Carr after the Monaghan match said, um, we won't get away with playing like that again. And they played like that again and they were beaten in the shows and I think I suppose you say it's not the way that Kerry bet them but I think it kind of is because it showed that you can get that Dublin team behind and now you can keep them behind you yeah. because like I'd say if Rock had got that lay free I think that could have been really demoralising going into extra time to Kerry because they're like what more do we need to do to actually beat them inside 70 minutes do you know what I mean
2: Would you make it up it does
0: I'm surprised with Dublin's
3: Lack of coolness in the last five or ten minutes. Michael Dar McCauley thinking he could shoot. Yeah, for one, thinking he could kick have, the ball. Should have trusted the hands as he's done for the last five or six years. And Kevin McMahon running through and fisting it into the goalkeeper's hands again. I just didn't see that coming at all. I really up until the last minute I expected Dublin to pull out the fire. To be honest,
0: I think. But that's sort of I think what we're used to now. And then again, this is going to change the perspective now for the whole season. If you get ahead of them, you can stay ahead of them now. But it's just like Kerry actually played Dublin at their own game. They attacked him. They didn't necessarily sit back and wait to break. They played a proper game of football. Like and now Darren O'Sullivan did came on. He was absolutely magic when he came on for his little cameo. But he sort of settled the game for them. But I think I think the ones who get the biggest fright were the Dublin forwards because I didn't think any Dublin forward had a great game necessarily.
2: No, not at all. Brogan was way off the page
1: we won't see Brogan again starting the match I wouldn't think
2: uh, he was awful he was really bad was it Shanahan that was marking Paddy Andrews I can't remember yes it
1: was
2: uh, I, well, I was sitting in Laura Hogan for the game and so Paddy Andrews was beside me for the uh, first half and Shanahan had him on toast he gave him a torrid time it was um, really really impressive Like you, you're used to seeing Andrews collect the ball come out, to, sweep out to the corner collect the ball do his little chimmy and get past the man, and Shanahan just, he had him all day, and um, that was really impressive.
3: To be honest, I'm not a big fan of bernard but some of the ball going into him in the second half, just straight over his head. Yeah, there yeah. must have been four or five kick passes that were just nowhere near him when he was making his run, which was very unusual to see. Normally the kick passing from Dublin half forwards and in midfield into the inside line is very accurate. But, yeah. And now they just weren't at it. They weren't
0: just. They
3: didn't have a good day at the races at all. Before, Before we go on we to the, the Division
0: Two final, just, just for those Dublin and Kerry, and Kerry players, players, is that, is that sort, sort of, of is that match that now match going to act as a letdown? Because you think, think when their next, the next proper competitive match, competitive match, match is going to be, be. For, for Kerry, it's Kerry probably, probably, probably going to be the Munster final against for Cork. Cork. For Dublin, I don't
2: know what the draw is, but I'd fancy Tipperary give Cork a good game at this rate.
0: Yeah, that's true. Actually, so it's going to be the Munster final for Kerry, though. But um, for Dublin, realistically, you're looking at Leinster final again. <laughs> uh,
2: all our, our Super Eights, Graham. Yeah. Come on, you don't you don't need to spare our feelings. It'll be the Super Eights when Dublin
0: get a proper. Game. That's not in this year, Phil, is it? No. Is no. It next year? It's next, next year. What this year? <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry. But it'll it, be the quarter final. <laughs> That's sort of even. Do you think that'll be difficult for them to get over again, or
2: will I they think be I think sluggish? It's, I think it's what they're used to. Like, it, they're expecting it. I think they train. They, their whole year is structured around that in anticipation of knowing that they're going to have good games during the league and it's going to go flat again and that they have to peak again for quarterfinal, semi-finals, final. So I think it's sadly it's what they expect. It's going to be a pain in the airs for us, for fans. Yeah. Like, going from watching competitive great games week in week out to having to wait until the quarterfinals to get a really cracking game outside of Jules' Championship. Um, yeah, I think you're contractually obliged to say that when you talk about championship being weak Yeah, you have to say that oh, that's true. True. Yeah,
0: exactly. but um, okay we may as well address it the Division 2 final now when I saw it I referred to it as the most Kildare result I think I've seen in a while when Graham walked in half of your second half <laughs> early for the Dublin match I've United make a comfortable 2-0 lead but um, I just I felt it was the most Kildare result in a long time because they were ex- a loss yeah they were expected to go out last week they made what was it 14 changes against Galway yeah. lost by a point this week they played a strong enough team championship team pretty much lost by two it's just what what did you think about yourselves
2: uh, a Kildare result in the last couple of years has been to lose by an awful lot more than two in fairness so that's an improvement yeah, and, and- I was talking about this after the game. What annoys me is if you told me at the start of the year Clare were going to get promoted to Division 1, I'd be delighted. Having seen how well they did play during the league, it's now really frustrating to see how the last few games finished out. So it's disappointing now, but in the broader scheme of things, getting into Division 1 is a boost I didn't expect this year. Mm. So as a Clare fan, I'm probably overall happy. But uh, Sunday gave me things to worry about for possibility of going
0: deep-ish in the Championship and do you think just it was the talent level in Division 2 because were just better this year than everybody else or is it the way Keane O'Neill has them playing
2: I think he actually we are playing to a plan for the first time in a long time Um, he has a he has a system in place with Owen Doyle uh, he's wears 6 but he kind of plays as a sweeper or a stopper like he doesn't go he doesn't move the cornerbacks will move, even the fullback. He's got a point. David Highland on Sunday. They all move up at the attack, but Owen Doyle stays, and a, a couple of people stay back to mind the houses. But, um, and then the rest of them is sort of like a fluid move together. And he Keane O'Neill has them very patient, kind of like how Dublin have gone to a lesser uh, talent level, obviously. But how Dublin are patient with blanket defenses, Claire moving in that direction, which they never were before. Uh, work around them to work through them instead of just running straight at them I think that's what O'Neill did and then that kind of broke down actually on Sunday which is where I think we lost out but I think that's what helped with an actual system yeah and what about yourself there? have you
0: noticed any considerable improvements as the gap player here this year or how do you feel We expecting what were you actually expecting Sunday a big win a close I thought, win? We were,
2: I thought we were going to get beaten
3: I thought we were going to lose did you? Haven't I thought it would be close
0: as well yeah. haven't bet in years
2: but even... 1983 or something like that, I think.
0: Even given that they bet you only buy a point with a 14, with a considerably it weakened team. It doesn't work like that. Gaelic football is not additive, Graham. It's
3: like... It's, just, but I just, it's, it's a not, real sport in like NFL.
0: Yeah. A considerably weakened team only lost to Galway by still, a point. I
3: still... Because Galway knew...
0: It.
2: Galway only needed a, a point to go up last Sunday. So they, there was no point in them going to shoot the light out if yeah. caught out by Kildare. So they played... Like in the league game, like the regular season, they played kind of within themselves. Whereas uh, Sunday was more kind of a... And Galway are further along in development than Kildare. Like, they were in a quarterfinal last year, expected to make a semi final.
3: Won a kind of championship.
2: Yeah. Kildare, Kildare, comparatively, are behind that. So that's why I expect Galway to win. Bucky's agreed as well. Bucky's are Galway favourites. Yeah, yeah. they
0: And where do you think, just as Kildare fans, what do you what are you expecting now for a championship? Leinster Le- 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 final has to be the end. Because Dublin are on the other side of yeah, the draw. It's Dublin and Mead, isn't it? And you're on the... West, Maid's side of the draw I think are the only other strong competition over that side, isn't it? No, Maid are on, Maid
3: are on our side of the draw but yeah you'd have to be confident enough you can beat me. we hockeyed them in the first game of the league
1: There's not many sides I think you'd be fearful of Kildare playing obviously the top sides top, top sides outside of Division 1 any team in the country you can take now mm. yeah. in Division 1 in Newbridge you can only say you might take Roscommon or Cav and even the two, the the two, the two, team, right? two again, yeah but, but that's you're leaving then you're leaving six teams who you'd be fearful of playing and at some stage we probably will play those six, one of those six teams and they will probably hammer us I think we're back where we were not quite we're back where we were under McGuini but we're getting close to that stage where we're just one of the better second tier teams and we just it's very hard to break into that top tier though and we couldn't redo it under McGuini and this team now as Phil said they're a lot behind kind of that level as well. But still, we are one of the better second-tier teams in the country, really.
0: And do you think, like, is it only going to get worse because the gap, do you think the gap is widening between the top tier and the back, or do you think the league sort of this year has shown that, and even Tipperary last year has shown that gap can be closed now. And this year is probably the year to try and capitalise on it.
1: I think you have to be playing Division 1 football for it to close anyway and I'd be fearful of Calair just coming straight back down next year like we did the previous time we, we, st- I mean, we stayed up for a season we stayed up for the first season yeah, and yeah. then we came back down successive
2: so, relegation yeah. following that
1: but uh, like, the only way you said Tipperary improved but they kind of improved from being almost a third tier team like you still would, Tipperary aren't going to be challenging for another Ireland anytime well not soon but they're not going to challenge this year definitely they kind of moved up to the the middle tier you might call it it's very hard to make that jump from that middle tier to really top-level top challenging for an Ireland Championship.
0: So you're not expecting any surprises this year?
1: From Kildare or in general? or
0: Let's go with both. Like what, what is the absolute highest you think Kildare can reach for this? Quarter-final.
2: Furthest. They'll make, like a, that's as deep as they'll go. I don't think there's going to be a Tipperary-like ball to this year either. No. I don't think so could be wrong but I, I don't think so I don't see it
1: like Kildare showed up under beginning, you can get very far without beating any big teams Yeah. like we got to this quarter final this one semi final without ever kind of taking a big scalp like there's, there's so many mediocre teams who you can either beat or you can lose to and it doesn't really surprise you either way like there's so many, there's, there's so many teams in the one kind of pot where you can flip a coin and the winner comes out and there's no surprise almost
2: there's that argument um, that you're nearly better going, the qualifier route, but I don't think it applies to Kildare this year because they haven't been in the Leicester finals since 2009. So I think if they got knocked out in Leinster semis or even the quarterfinal and you head into the qualifiers and you build up your momentum playing every week and you pick off a weak beaten provincial finalist, which is what Kildare did an awful lot of time in the McGuini because they only made one Leinster final. I think it's more important to actually get to that milestone of the big day in Croker, Leinster final day, just as a marker for where they are yeah. so I think it's more important than building up ahead of steam team to qualify us from this year
1: I am not too sure about that I think if you look at the teams you think you're going to who are going to beat you don't think beating provincial finalists you think the losing finalists you want to play are going to be from Connacht or Munster and you fancy a chance against them you can, almost, you can flip a coin as I said before
0: so like a Roscommon or a Tip
1: Roscommon a Tip or a Cork or a Galway Oh no not at all like that was like neither team was in any way would hold any fear for the the good teams really like it was like they were playing a different game and different rules Oh
2: the the, the difference between Division 1 and Division oh, 2 was
1: ridiculous It was literally like men against boys just watching a minor game and then suddenly the senior team comes on and shows them how it's done like I was right beside the sidelines so I could hear the stuff that Keane was saying like, and everything O'Neill was saying like get wide run at them it just it comes natural to Kerry and Dublin. Just kind of, I saw Jim Gavin hardly to say a word to them. Just they're so ingrained what they should be doing. Whereas O'Neill was kind of, I was like Mourinho. Who was Mourinho said he was in his brain. Luke uh, Shaw. Luke Keane O'Neill was kind of into the players' brain. <laughs> kind of get wide or drive at them or whatever he's saying. But uh, that's the stuff that comes naturally to the Dubs. It's just a different, uh, a
0: different playing field really. And just, just, just on a side note, I was going to bring this up last week, but we hadn't got any of the guy players with us and. Last, last week's podcast didn't well. go out well. <laughs> but um, lost to the archives Graham. Dara just from your own playing a guy and th- like do you think this new like how far ahead these Dublin carries the like and the training they're doing especially do you think that's been a good thing or a bad thing for the guy just from from a no grassroots um, sort of grass-root. level
3: like they're they drive the standards so surely it's up to everyone else to try and get to that level so I've no issue with like Dublin have serious advantages with their population and money but up until now they haven't had the structures in place so I I don't think it's anyway financial doping as a Paul Kimmich or Joe Brawley
0: would call it (laughs) Financial doping is that what they're calling it?
2: I think it's impact on grassroots football is um, kind of dependent on what you think grassroots football should be so if you think that club teams training like county teams is a good thing then Dublin and teams like that train at such high standard. Rising tide lifts all boats. It improves the club game. That's
3: proven, Phil. A rising tide
2: lifts all boats. <laughs> um, but I think if you if you want the club game to be more traditional and not kind of lads working full time job and then training just one step down from a county level, if you want it to be just as fun as it used to be, then it's probably a bad thing. Yeah but it's been, it depends on what you're looking for.
0: And did you see what Galvin said about team mentality and all because of WhatsApp groups?
2: Yeah. I, I, I didn't say, what did he say?
0: He said basically, what he thinks WhatsApp groups have sort of ruined the sort of club mentality because stuff that is usually said in a dressing room is now sta- said in a WhatsApp group. And it's like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the face-to-face. Sort of the culture, of culture interaction.
2: kind of stuff. Culture building
3: he's talking about. Bad stuff or like Anything. the crack? Anything. Anything. It's all thumbs up and fist bumps yeah, in, the, yeah. in the groups <laughs> and Winky the face groups. from the coach. Yeah. Whereas there's not enough quality conversations going on on the field.
2: But sure, before um, Galvinstein, Mick O'Connell had said that the lads were talking to each other too much. I only had to grunt at my club, mate, and you knew what I wanted.
0: <laughs> well, I, think, I think stuff like that you now from an outside point of view is probably better for it because there's more interaction than between. Oh, yeah. Players. Definitely done. Like, the technology is definitely good. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not all
3: luddites here. right? it yeah. no,
0: just the inter, it does not increase the sort of like team interaction sort of thing. Instead of like you see them at training, definitely that's good. it. More ways of communication. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's more up. talking
1: about the the culture of like the way we talk now is just a thumbs up as in good match lads thumbs up. Whereas before maybe you went for a pint after a match and you kind of actually discussed it and you had a more of a bond than just kind of seeing someone's name and then a winky smiley face or a love heart sign or whatever <laughs> whatever kind of stuff Galvin's friends are sending hands like. praying
2: speaking as a reserve D footballer I can say there's still plenty of pints drank on our team
1: <laughs> plenty of love hearts sent in a WhatsApp group
2: <laughs> as well
0: um, I think have we got anything else to cover this week no how's your fitness transformation going Graham um, still the same yeah. still going Graham still above Graham that's a plus threw away a golf competition there on Sunday, Saturday. Where'd you throw it to Graham? Uh, down the toilet. <laughs> don't worry, Graham. You win your major one day. I had an eleven on the last. Oh, Graham! I lost by four shots. Oh, absolute nightmare. But yeah, okay. We happy to leave it at that for don't this week. to go? Right, lads. That is the first one back. Let us know what you think. Get, leave us a rating on iTunes on the podcast store. Where else can people get podcasts for the Android? Wherever Charges, Graham. <laughs> wherever you normally get your
2: podcast Podcast Addict Podcast Republic any good Android podcast platform we're available on any good
0: podcast store we'll be posting it to SoundCloud we'll have it on the website I'm sure so Phil Dara John thank you very much thank you very much again thanks to Charges this has been our first week back we'll see you next week good luck bye bye bye
3: bye